armor of God. This is what we're talking about the next eight weeks. As a matter of fact, these first two weeks, I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare. You say, oh, you know, pastor, I'm not really like a warfare person. I'm more of like the, the peace guy. I'm, I'm more of like the, you know, peace kind of, somebody else can do the fighting. I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. But the reality is, even if you're not a Christian, the reality is you're in spiritual warfare. We are facing good versus evil every single day that you wake up, every breath that you take. We are in a moment of good versus evil. There's evil forces, which we're going to read here in a minute. And so Ephesians chapter 6 gives us this breakdown of what it is to understand the armor of God. Now, I want you to know the armor of God wasn't like given to us and written and given to us because they were like, you know what they're going to need someday in church. They're going to need like object lessons for the kids. The kids are really going to need something in Sunday school. So let's just make a part about the armor of God and give it all these pieces. It would be really interesting. No, these, these pieces, these truths that we're about to read, they're critical for you to understand. It's not like, oh, that's like a passage I don't quite understand. That's kind of a thing over there. No, this is vital in how you live every single day, understanding that you're called to armor up. Are you with me? Your life, we're in this spiritual battle, and the scripture says that life is but a vapor. I want you to think about it like this. If you take the top off a boiling pot of water for that one second, you take it off, and then you see the steam come and go, that's your life. Scripture says it's a vapor compared to eternity, which is eternal. It's forever. So all of the decisions we make now, all the things that we walk in right now, yeah, they're critical for our living right now. There's still good wisdom we got to walk in and good decisions we got to make and things we got to properly steward, but it's a vapor compared to what we're working for in the terms of our spiritual realm and spiritual war warfare and eternity. And so you have got to learn to be able to stand, as Ephesians says, which we're about to read, in this battle of spiritual warfare. Are you with me? We would all even say, man, you know, even just maybe four years ago, wasn't as intense as it is now. And I'm not even talking about political stuff. I'm just talking about the intensity in the air. How many would agree? Things are heavy. What is that? It's spiritual warfare that we're all warring in, and we need to know something about it. So I'm, God, I'm grateful that God gave us the tools. I'm, God, I'm grateful that he gave us these writings, these instructions to teach us how to live and how to stand strong in the days that we live in. The text that we're going to read, and I'm going to read it to you every single week. I hope that you have it highlighted. I hope that you have it um, circled, whatever works for you. But each week, we're going to read these seven verses found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Going to be talking about that in upcoming weeks. Your call, your assignment in this battle isn't to do it by your own hand. It's to do it by the power and the might of God working in your life. Can I get an amen today? It says, put on the full armor of God. One translation says the entire armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Whether you believe in the devil or not, the devil has schemes in your life right now. You might be able to say, well, I don't believe in gravity. I just don't believe in it. And if you jumped off the building, you'd realize gravity is a thing. You might say, ah, devils, demons, I don't really know. The reality is they're true. They've been here from the beginning. They've been scheming for all of time, and they're out to get you. The scripture says, steal, kill, and destroy from you. So we got to stand against them. So our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of the evil, of evil in heavenly realms. You might not know it. You might not ever give thought to it, but currently, over our lives, 
over our communities, over our churches, over our schools, over our countries, over our governments, over everything is a spiritual battle in heavenly realms. And it's a battle of good versus evil. You say, well, you know, all that stuff is for that kind of church. I'm more of like a studied Sunday school kind of, no, no, no. Heavenly realms is still having spiritual battles. And we, the scriptures teaching us, you've got to learn how to stand in it. One of the ways you stand in it is the scripture says you have to put on the full armor. You can't say, well, I like the salvation part of the armor. I like the, the shoes of peace part of it. That, that resonates with me. But the other part of it, sword of the, 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 that stuff's for somebody else over there. It says you have to put on the full armor if you're going to be able to stand. We got to understand it all. We got to be able to know it all. The scripture's saying you got to put on the full thing. So spiritual forces in heavenly realms, verse 13 Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. <clears throat> Some of you are saying, oh, I'm so tired of standing. I've been trying to battle these, the good versus evil. I've been trying to stand and I'm just so tired of standing. What does the Bible say? Keep standing. You keep standing. You don't get a timeout. There is no halftime in this battle. Are you with me? So stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We protect a lot of things. We armor up a lot of things in our natural life. You might hear the radio ads that say, is your credit score secure? Are you secure from digital theft of this and your identity and all this stuff? We say, oh, we better armor up and make sure our identity is secure. And we got all this stuff shored up. And maybe in your homes, you have security cameras. And you say, oh, hey, it's good that we have surveillance and we're going to armor up. We're going to make sure our things are kind of guarded and protected and looked at. And um, maybe in your finances, you know, you got people that, that make sure you have, you know, steady uh, portfolios and all these things. And you're secure with all of your finances. And hopefully your valuables are protected, right? Hopefully you have insurance and the things that are valuable to you, you have armored up if if you don't, I know a guy, our tech guy back here, uh, uh, Aaron, he's gonna, he could get you hooked up. He's an insurance guy. Go see him after, but he'll get your valuables taken care of. We do all of these things in the natural world to make sure things are shored up. How much more so in the spiritual realm should we make sure we're taking care of what is an eternal matter? Everything I mentioned is vapor. Your home, your money, your, your social security, all of the, that's a vapor but the eternal forever things that matter, heaven or hell issues, we've got to armor up. Are you with me today? Think about it like this. If I said to you, oh my gosh, this is an emergency. I need to meet with you. I have just found some devastating news about your family. I need you to be in my office as soon as possible. And I sat you down and I said, I can't believe I have to tell you this, but I just found out that there is a group coming against your family. And I hate to tell you this, but these assassins are brilliant at what they do. I'm telling you, they're going to get you on every single level. They're going to mess with your mind. They're going to mess with your children. They're going to mess with your health. They're going to mess with your mental well-being. These assassins have the biggest wake of destruction you have ever seen. 
uh, through all of time, this elite group has done so much damage, more damage than anybody else. You think the Taliban is bad. They're not bad compared to this group that has come against your family. This is so serious. I hate to tell you that this group is coming after you. They've been watching you. They've been studying you. They know everything about you. They know everywhere you go. In panic mode, you would immediately leave my office and take steps to secure yourself against that enemy, wouldn't you? You would get people watching you, watching your kids and defending you, and you'd hire agencies, and you'd get, you'd get a Glock for your crock, and you'd do things. <laughs> but every single week, we hear the preacher get up here, and we say that there's an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you. And he knows you and he schemes against you and he plots against you and he's working when you can't see it and he's all out because he hates you and wants to destroy you. And then your response is, what should I do with that news? Yeah, I might pray a little this week. I'll come to one Saturday prayer a month. Oh, pastor's calling us to fast again at the beginning of the year. Oh, he wants me to secure that. Am I telling the truth today? Think about what you have coming against your family and how little we do spiritually to secure it. Prayer life is like a blip in our schedule. Our worship time is like rarely. Am I telling the truth today? And we have this onslaught, the enemy, the scripture says like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour He doesn't take breaks. He doesn't play with, oh, maybe we shouldn't go after him that much. No, he's out to kill you. And we do very little to armor up against the schemes of the enemy. We need to change that, don't we? We say things like, uh, I'm in the family of God. I'm in the family of God. I'm a believer. I'm in the family of God. When you're in a family, you know things about your family. Oh, this is my family, and we, we come from here, and we know this, and this is how our family operates, and oh, this is my son over here, and he, he's into this, and he knows this, and, and this is my daughter, and this is her, and this is her personality, and you know all the things about your family. We walk around, and we say, I'm in the family of God. I'm in the family of God, and we're illiterate about how our family works. The things of God, biblical literacy, knowing God's word, knowing his truth, having prayer lives, walking in what God has called us to do as his sons and daughters, we give no time or attention to. And we expect to win in this battle of good versus evil. Did you guys miss my preaching? You want to go back to you says? I feel like you're mad at me right now. Are we still friends? Are we okay? Well, I just don't have time, Pastor. You know, busy. Oh, life is so busy. It's so crazy. I just, I would love to keep up. I would love to press in and put on the armor and know the things that I need to be able to stand. I just don't got the time. You know, I don't retain things very well. That's weird because you can tell me a lot of information about your fantasy football team. You can tell me about all the teams and the starters and your college teams and all the things. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't retain things very well. Well, that's weird because I can start pretty much any song and you can finish it for me. I could tell you about any movie and you'd be like, yeah, we saw that one. Is that the one with the guy who does the thing? Oh, no, that was the other one because we have a whole memory bank of all kinds of useless movies. I talk about Netflix. Oh, have you guys started that series? No, but it's in our list. We're going to get to it. We're actually finishing this one because we actually have time to be equipped in the things. We just spend it on stupid stuff. Are you with me? And so we have got to. That's why the scripture says this. It says that my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. We couldn't stand against the schemes of the enemy because we spent all of our space and knowledge on useless things. 
Now I'm all for Netflix. I'm all for sports. I got two fantasy football teams. I'm excited today. I'm already leading in one of them because the Cowboys played so good. How about them Cowboys? But I'm not against any of that stuff, but I'm against it if it's getting in the way of spiritual warfare and armoring up and being the way God's called us to be. Can I get amen today? So I want to take a look at a person who I believe probably more than anybody understood spiritual warfare. And I won't take too long, but I want to take a look at David's life. David's so interesting because God says about David, now God can't have an MVP. He can't have a most valuable player. But if he did, he might say David because he did say about David, David's my guy. David's got a heart after me. I like David. David is my guy, which is crazy because you guys all know David messed it up a bunch. David was sexually impure. David killed people when he wasn't supposed to. Like it was, you know, some errors in his portfolio, but God looks at him and says, that's my God. And I wonder when we're done talking today, if one of the main reasons we might say, ah, now I know why God says that about David is because David understood spiritual warfare and he never backed down in a good versus evil fight. So let's take a look at David. David, uh, in first Samuel chapter 17, I'm just going to give you the statistics here. Uh, but this is a good versus evil fight that, that David understands how important spiritual warfare is. So it says in verse 17, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to give you the data. It says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, the enemy camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale of armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. So check this out. The picture of this is here comes somebody from the enemy's camp whose measurements are 666, and his armor is scaled just like the serpent, the devil, back in Genesis. Now, the Jewish mind, the believer's mind at this time, they see everything as symbolic. What's the picture here? What am I trying to see? So David's starting to notice, hold on, here comes the enemy from the camp, and his jersey number is basically 666, and he's dressed up looking like the enemy. He's starting to go, this guy is somebody who's against my God. Verse 10, the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. So Goliath comes out, And makes it real clear, yeah, I am here to defy your God. Verse 26, so David said to those standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? I love it. He's talking trash now. I like somebody who can get a little cocky, right? This is my whole life. They told me I couldn't do that, but David did it. And God was like, that's my guy. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He's irritated. He sees the spiritual warfare significance of this moment. Here comes somebody from the enemy's camp setting up to bring evil over good. What's interesting about David, and this is a lesson for us to learn, is David wasn't even supposed to be there. He wasn't a battlefield person. His dad said to him, David, I need you to bring your brothers some cheese and crackers. He's the first person to, he's our biblical pizza delivery boy. And he says, hey, I need you to go down there. Now, here's a leadership lesson for you. The scripture says that David arose early and got there on time and it unlocked his purpose in life. Some of you need to start showing up on time so that you can encounter your purposes. You keep showing up too late to stuff and missing what God has for you. That's first service, not this service. (laughs) The writers describe this moment of David showing up on the scene, not being someone even called to be in the battle, but he understands the significance of spiritual warfare. He's looking around being like, how come no one's doing anything? What's going to be done for the one who, who ends this thing, who stops this thing, who stands in the gap on the behalf of my community? 
One writer says he's very irritated that no one is doing anything. Another writer said that he recognized the battle and could not turn away. I wish it would be said about Christians that they recognize the battle in our communities and it's impossible for them to turn away. But instead, we hide behind Netflix and just pretend everything's fine. Somebody else can handle it. It's not as bad as you think. You guys know the the episode, I I mention it from time to time, but it's the Ross episode where he says, I'm fine. Everything is fine. That's Christians. They see all of the intense spiritual warfare. They see the enemy coming from the camp wearing 666 and scales to defy the armies of God. And everybody's going, Netflix, I'm fine. We're good. Or we say things like, oh, I got to hide. David couldn't hide. We say, oh, no, I, I got to hide right now because, you know, I'm hiding behind. We're busy. Oh, we're so busy. I would love to get in that battle. I would love to fight that good versus evil. I would love to be a part of that spiritual warfare. But, you know, Billy's in soccer, and we're just busy. And so I would love to be a part of that. But right now we're in a season. Oh, my past. Oh, my past. You know, you know, I'd love to be in that battle, and I would love to fight that spiritual warfare, and I would love to stand up and defend the people of God. But, you know, my past, I'm still working through that thing. And I understand that there's seasons where you work through that thing. I understand where we got to get through that past, but it shouldn't take you 45 years. For 40 years, you've been working through your past. You've been trying to get through the thing. And I said, so how do you like your counselor? Oh, I don't go to a counselor. Oh, have you been like meeting with a pastor, a spiritual leader, an elder, somebody in your life that can speak into you? No. Well, you're not working through anything. You're just making excuses. Can I get amen today? Well, you know, when the kids get older... That's when we'll engage in spiritual warfare. That's when we're going to be able to step up and push back the enemy that's trying to, trying to bring harm. to. And that's when we'll do it. Because, but, but right now we got the littles. And you know, so hard. it's so hard to get the littles out the door and get them going. And it's so hard to do that. What if that's your spiritual warfare? That every single Sunday you get up and you say, I'm going to show my kids what it looks like to war. That's also why God gave Somebody, the brilliant invention called a Pop-Tart. <laughs> Come on, kids, get out of bed. Here's your Pop-Tart. Get in the car and go. I know it's not GMO, healthy, organic, all the other things, but I believe God says we can take up a serpent and not be harmed. You can eat a Pop-Tart on the way to church and not be harmed. <laughs> what a message it would send to your kids about spiritual warfare that no matter how busy you are, no matter how tired, we war. We go to church and we worship with each other and we lift our hands and we speak of the goodness of God. Why? Because we're not going to let the enemies of the evil invade this camp. Well, when I get enough money built up, that's when I can serve. That's when I can spiritual warfare. You know, once I get a nest and we'll be secure and then I can work a little bit less, then that's when I can serve and that's when I can pray and that's when I can see God. That's when I'll do it. Vapor. It's a vapor. God's calling you to armor up now. Well, when we retire, that's when I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm I'm to just work hard now, and I'm going to build a platform to that way. One day when I retire, then I can give back and serve. David was a person who said, I can't look away. I'm irritated. Nobody's doing anything. I've got to engage in this spiritual battle. It's a battle of good versus evil. It's not a battle of flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6 tells us. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's of good and evil. The real issue is the schemes of the enemy trying to defy the army of the Lord. And God gives us this promise in Romans chapter 12, 21. It tells you, do not be overcome with evil, 
but overcome evil with good. What I love about scriptures like this is this isn't an idea. This is a capability you have to walk in as a believer. It wouldn't be in the scripture if it wasn't an ability for you. So when God says, yeah, you're going to see that the enemy are going to try to come against you and evil is going to try to overthrow good, you're having the ability to overcome evil with good. I have it, you have it, we have it as believers. This is something in your arsenal that you can walk in. Can I get an amen today? David understood that if he didn't fight, there would have been two losses. There would have been a loss to his community, to the people around him, to his surroundings, to, to his territory. There would have been a natural loss, but there also would have been ground lost spiritually in the territory. Anytime we don't stand up to unrighteousness, there's two losses. There's in the natural, but then spiritually we lose ground. That's why you have to raise your kids intentionally. I'm all for soccer. I'm all for t-ball. I'm all for our kids are in gymnastics. Our kids are on things. But those things will never come before intentionality of teaching our kids their purpose. Can I get them in today? Oh, but we really want to be able to see them throw a curveball because I, I could throw a curveball. How about we really want to be able to see them stand up against the forces of evil? Because when we lose, it's two losses, spiritual and natural. But the scripture says that God has given you the ability to overcome evil with good. I thought about it like this. You may say, oh, I'm not a battle person. I'm not one of the, I don't like fights. I'm a, I'm a peace person. And that's fine. But even peace people have a boldness about them to see justice. It, it, there, you, we were all created for battle. God wired you to be in a fight. You say, I'm more of the peace. Yeah, but you want to fight for that peace. I'm a battle. I'm a, and so God wired you to be in the battle. Why? Because he knows that you can handle it. Maybe that's why that guy screams at the football game at the referee because it's a misused battle that he was wired to be in. Think about the Michigan game last night, 110,000 people, everybody wear maize and everybody shake your pom-pom and we're all going to yell, oh, defeat the Huskies. What a weird battle. We're going to chase the ball around and everybody's so passionate and we're all saying, it's amazing. Why do we do that? It's because you were wired to be in a battle. The battle wasn't for the Wolverines to overcome the Huskies. Or the, and that stuff's all fine. Again, I'm not. But the battle is for us to be good versus evil. God created you to be a fighter. We just make it into all sorts of weird battles. We got Ford versus Chevy, and we got all these things. We make into all these ridiculous battles. Ladies, you fight the mall. Oh, I'm going to go to the mall, and I'm going to get a deal. Everything. <laughs> you bought a lot of stuff. It was on sale. <laughs> Everything's on sale. Everything's on sale. How much was it on sale? Kohl's, they're like liars. It's a thousand percent off. Like it's the same price as Amazon. You were created, think about this seven of the top 10 all time selling box office movies are superhero movies, are battle movies. Why? Because you were wired to see good overcome evil. You were wired for a battle. Whether you know it or not or can see it or not, you were born to battle. And it's spiritual warfare. God created you for it. Uh, I thought about this. Our teenagers uh, are so into these cosmic video game battles. You remember us, you know, us old people. I'm 38. I'm so old. And... Uh, 
back in when I played video games, you know, Mario, you got done at the end of the thing, you jumped on the flag, and then it was over. They have endless video games now. You're always leveling up and achieving. Now, uh, when you got, when the internet got fast enough, Xbox, you were able to now go online and play with others online across the entire planet in these cosmic global battles. Why did that take off like fire? Because people are created to be in battle, spiritual warfare, and we're using it in other directions. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. I'm just telling you, you're wired for it. Can I get an amen today? I'll close with this. Spiritual warfare is so important. And God's looking at David and he's saying like, that guy's got my heart. And what I believe about David is David was somebody who understood the significance of every moment. Every single moment he understood spiritual battle, the significance of this moment. He was all in. He never shrunk back or held back. First Samuel chapter 20 talks about how David's leaving his best friend. And a moment here where they've, they've warred together, they've been together, they're there for each other, called alongside each other spiritually. And so they're separating and, and they're going in different directions. And scripture says that both of them are crying and both of them are upset and they're hugging. Scripture says they even give a kiss before they leave. And, and they're just really in this moment. But the writer says this about David. The writer makes it very clear that David wept more. Why would the writer say that? Why would it say that David went more? Because there was this characteristic about David that whenever he did something, he did it to the most. Why? Because he understood the value of every single moment. They also say this about David in 2 Samuel chapter 6. He's dancing in the street. He's gotten victory. He's so grateful for the way that the Lord has moved on his, on his behalf. And he's dancing in the street. And of course, the scripture says that he's naked and everybody's offended. But the big issue that everybody had with him was his exuberance. He, what was he? He was, again, all in the moment to the most that you can be. Why? Because he understood the significance of the spiritual moment. So maybe when heaven looks down at David and it's like, that's my guy. What is he? He's a guy who didn't hold back. He's a guy who was all in. He was a guy who understood the significance of every moment, every battle, every opportunity. He danced the most. He cried the most. He battled the most. We can't let these significant moments go by. So tomorrow at breakfast, when your little one spills the juice and you're in a hurry, it's not your time to freak out. Oh, I told you, we don't put the cup at the edge. You put it up at the front, right? We all have the battles. You stop and you go, hold on. It's like a whole bunch of, the enemy might be setting up a scheme against me to freak out. To, to start their day on the wrong foot. My kids are an arrow that I'm called to aim. And if I'm going to freak out about this and scream everybody out the door, it might not be the best way to spend this moment where you get to work and your boss starts in on you again because it's Monday. You can go, hold on, God, spiritual moment here, good versus evil. I know that the enemy tries to put schemes against me. I'm going to pray through this, and I'm going to keep my character and my integrity, and I'm going to keep my influence with my boss. Am I making sense today? Or right now when you go to get lunch, and the waiter messes it all up, and it takes forever, and you're in a hurry, and you have the opportunity to just lose your salvation on them. 
Remember, hold on, there might be something more going on here. I might have an opportunity to actually speak life into this situation, handle this different. Or you can just go to El Rancho because they get it right every time. That's the place to go, El Rancho. Daniel doesn't like it, so I don't. I know, you hear this? So we love Daniel, but he's, uh, we've given him a 60-day notice. He's going to all of these moments, it's opportunity of flesh and blood and about people and all this kind of stuff. It's more than that. It's spiritual. Spiritual warfare matters. matters. we got to be tuned into it. We're going to continue to talk about it next week, and then we'll get into each piece. But I want to pose one more thing to you, and that's this. There's a reason that you're still here. I'm talking about on planet Earth. There's a reason I'm still here. Because there's work to do. God hasn't said, okay, we're good calling us home. There's a battle. There's warfare. There's more evil for us to overcome with good. And you're blessed to be a person living in 2021 who gets to be a part of it. You get to be a part of one of the greatest stories ever written. It's called the end times. It's called the revival in the last day that God is going to do. Harvest time but we got to learn to spiritual warfare. You with me? Let's pray into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us and speak to us. God, I pray that you make this real to us. God, help us to armor up. Help us to put on all the pieces. Help us to walk in all that you've called us to. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.